Blog Talk Radio. and around the world, streaming live on the internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers, hosted by award-winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. And we have a very special guest host for today's radio show, Mr. Tony Salgado. So, Tony, without any, I'm sorry, Toby, sorry, without yeah. any further delay, welcome to today's show. Well, maybe I'll just, we'll call you Steve. How about that? Yeah, right. Call me Mike. Hey, Tim. Hey, thanks, okay. for, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, tired. no problem. So, um, let's give them a little background. I mean, you're obviously, a lot of these guys know us from, uh, you know, your radio show, your podcast, but... I think what a lot of folks don't know is you're, you have a very interesting background in the, in the real estate industry. And uh, I actually, when, when I was first getting to know you and I learned about how you sort of got into the real estate industry, I had a lot of questions that were left unanswered that I want to kind of address. I'm kind of curious personally how you went from, because you're, you did some very clever things in real estate and then you transitioned into your very successful radio show. Um, that whole process I'd, I'd really like to get to know more and have our listeners know as well. And then, guys, we're also going to talk about our real, the real estate industry's uh, omnipresent favorite topic, lead generation. So we're going to cover a lot of ground on today's radio show. We're probably not going to take a commercial break. Get ready to take a lot of notes. If you guys listen to Toby and I on our uh, the interview that he did of me, he and I get to talking, so hopefully we don't talk about too many different things, and this is something we can really uh, deliver a lot of value for all of you. So, Toby, let them know about your background. Tell, let them know a little sure, bit yeah. about how you got in real estate. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, give you, I'll give you just a – yeah. So my background is a little bit varied, and, and basically what I am, Tim, is I am a serial entrepreneur, right? And, and look – when you are in real estate, I think that's one of the things that people miss in real estate. When you you know sign up and you go through the course and all of a sudden you're licensed as an agent, guess what? You've just entered into the world of entrepreneurship. And 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 again, I think that's uh we can get to that later about about people not treating their business like a business. But here's my background, Tim. So I'll go all the way back to '98 because this will this will sort of give you an idea of the roller coaster, right? So I I went to UCSD here in San Diego. I'm I'm in San Diego now. Um, uh, I graduated. I went into finance for a long time. When I say finance, I was working with, uh, I was doing, uh, I was building captive finance programs inside manufacturers. So a company made something, right? They made big, large format printers or something. And I would go in. I had, I worked for a bank, and I would go in and say, "Listen, let me build a finance company inside this." So I, you know, I really started to understand number one how giant companies work, and then two how to build a business within another business, sort of entrepreneurship. I did that for a while, and uh, this, is, this is 1998 now. Um, every, if you remember that time, the Internet was going crazy. Everybody was going public, and everybody was, it was getting rich. So I, I, ended up, I had some friends that were graduating from Stanford Business School, and, and guess what? We, built, we put a company together. We wrote a plan. We went out and raised venture capital, raised $7 million bucks. We started a company, uh, hired 35 people. We spent our $7 million, and it didn't work, and we couldn't get any more. So I, you know, I left Silicon Valley, the hotbed of technology, and moved back to San Diego, bought a house, you know, got married, all that stuff. And you know, this 9-11 happens, right? And the world changes. Everything changes. So I went from high-tech, 
into low tech. I started a company called BNT Erosion Control, right? Literally, I was competing against like other contractors. So I have this high tech background, like finance background. All of a sudden, I'm competing against guys who like were used to swinging a hammer, and it was crazy. I literally went from me and my garage to 58 people, you know, doing 4.2 million dollars in in revenue. And 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 by the way out of that $4.2 million, like my margins were about 35%. It was literally like this money-making printing, money-printing business. Uh, and that went well until, and by the way, this is sort of my first kind of foray into real estate because my clients were publicly traded home builders. So I got to know how those, these guys did land acquisitions. I got to know just sort of the nuts and bolts of like real estate from, uh, from new construction home developers. Uh, that business went great until 07, 08, right? And the housing market, you know, blows up, falls away, and, and guess what? It took my business with it. And that was okay. I was, I was tired of running it by that time, right? I, I literally left it, and I swear I had PSTD from just, you know, managing 60 people in, a, in, a, in an environment like this. So uh, I, I played around a little bit, and, and, and if you remember September 08, uh, when Lehman fails, uh, banks started failing, we ended up, long story short, we found a deal, Nehemiah, and if you remember Nehemiah, these guys, they, they were the down payment home assistance company. Uh, they needed $10 million. Congress was just about to shut them down, and they said, we want to shove as many deals through the pipe as we can before Congress shuts us down. So uh, I put in a million and a half dollars of my money. A partner of mine put in, he put in like $750 million, and we went out and raised the rest of it. So we, did, we started doing bridge loans, right? So we did... Uh, 10 million, 10 million, 12, 12, 12. So we, got, we did that for five months. And then we, we, you know, there's so many businesses out there that needed cash. We were on a hunt to go find them and do bridge loans. Again, great business. We were charging six points a month. Uh, great business until banks came back online. And guess what? That went away. Now, at this time, you know, I started looking at real estate deals from a different perspective because all our deals, all our, you know, bridge loan deals were secured by real estate. So I got to see sort of like, real estate from a different perspective, right? I saw it from the home builder. Now I saw it from this, like, you know, leveraged piece. Um, we had a chance in late 09 to buy a portfolio. A builder outside of Yuba City, Sacramento, went belly up on a $73 million deal. And it was a bunch of houses, a, a bunch of land. It was fully developed lots, right? Curb gutter in, ready to go vertical on 525 lots. And it was like 68 houses and another bunch of paper lots. $73 million portfolio, we bought for $3.2 million. Now, I'm firmly in real estate, right? So I have this portfolio of land. We have to sell off. And by the way, we ended up selling it back to the home builder. And we, we, we got a, a, basically a, almost a triple out of that deal. But, um, I, I, you know, we knew it was going to take some time. It was sort of a buy and hold. Uh, so, so what I did, I took a million dollars of my money. And I said, listen, let me buy onesie twosies. So I went out and I bought one house, bought two houses. And at that time, I was offering banks the assessed land value for the property, and they were taking it. Well, I'm like, all cash, closing 10 days. So basically, I was buying these, house, these, these properties, paying for the land, and getting the structure for free. So all of a sudden, I bought one, I bought two, and all of a sudden, I had like 15 houses. And basically, man, it took, it took us three years from, from late 09 all the way to late 2011 to get rid of uh, all the, both the portfolio and all the stuff I had bought along the way. So... Again, I'm forced with, right, I'm 42 at the time, you know, or 41 in 2011, right, moving into 2012, me being 42. I'm, I'm going, hey, now, I'm getting older. I've had all these businesses that go, that go straight up and they go straight down, right, depending on the market. What can I build 
that I can last for the next 20 years? Where, what environment can I make a difference and what do I know about? And so it all turned back into, look, let me, let's do something around real estate, number one. Number two, where can I make a splash? And I really looked at this, the medium of broadcasting, right? We are moving into a world of curated content. Not, you know, we went from regular TV stations to cable, you know, to Netflix, Right, so everything's getting more, you know, in terms of content, more and more curated to what we as individuals want to read and, and hear. So I said, podcasting is a movement that is going to do nothing but get bigger. Let me do a podcast. Let me do it on real estate. And uh, boom, boom. And I've, the show's been live now for, uh, for nine months. I've been working on it for a year total. And, uh, you know, we're in 57 countries, and we, we stream about 40,000 hours of content every month. Yeah, I mean that's awesome, and I I just learned a bunch about you that I didn't know. And you're right, man. You've got one crazy background, but it does all yeah. sort of circular. It is all around real estate. That's really fascinating. So the question I wrote down while you were talking is, I'm really curious. What inspired you? I got what inspired you to start the radio show, but what inspired you to start the radio show, where you are focusing on really top producing agents, and what was your personal attraction to that particular space? Because Toby, you could have done it on anything, especially with your background. You could have been educating people on radio shows and how to do investment stuff and how to do all this other sort of high-level knowledge that you've learned the hard way. Why did you decide to focus on top-producing agents? That seems to me like it's kind of outside of the wheelhouse, but when I listen to your radio show, it's not at all. Yeah, yeah. So here, here it is. Here it is, Tim, is this. Is, there's two reasons. Number one, right, one of, the, one of the books that everybody should have in their library is Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Now, if you think about what Napoleon Hill did, right, I wanted to follow that path. At the time, he went and talked to the titans of industry at that time and wrote this book that has lasted now 100 years, a whole century, and it's still relevant. So for me, I said, man, I want to follow the path of Napoleon Hill, right, and do that. So, so obviously you look at, you know, at, uh, for me, talking with top producing agents. But number two, right, in terms of, you know, I, I do this show for free, right? It's a public service in a lot of ways. But at some point, you know, I need to, you know, I have a, a wife and three kids and two dogs, right? At some point, I need to monetize the show. Well, how would I monetize the show? And I figured, and I'm monetizing it a little bit differently than I initially wanted to or felt like. But, you know, so I would, I would learn all this great, timeless information from these top producing agents, these titans of industry, and then I would create products, digital products, around all the stuff that I learned, right? Napoleon Hill did the only thing he could do, do at that time, right? He wrote a book. It's print medium. Well, today we live in a world of digital content. So, you know, uh, uh, build a product around uh, lead generation. Build a product around fa- how to use Facebook if you're a real estate person. All these little things, and, and really what I wanted to create, right, this number one, this thing that could last 20 years, right? If you, and, and certainly it can and will. I mean, look at the people in the industry, a guy like, a, 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 you know, there are trainers. I, I won't say any names, but there are trainers that have been around for a long time. And there's a lot of trainers that are getting older, right? These guys are getting older. Uh, how much more runway do some of these people have in them? And again, I don't want to say any names. But so I wanted to uh, build digital products. I also wanted to, if I'm going to do something in real estate or do something in HR, right? I, I considered for a time... Let me do a podcast around uh, human resources, right? And that's something where I can go to Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies and say I have all this great content from, you know, the top HR minds in the, in the nation, but you pay me for it and, and deliver it to your people. Well, any, I didn't do HR. I decided on real estate because there's, there's so many facets in real estate to do, right? Number one, I could build digital products. Number two, I could go out and sell real estate myself and kill it. You know, number three... 
you know, I could, uh, you know, you, you, you have, you know, live events, right? There's, there's so much you can do. And really, what, you know, is there a Tony Robbins of real estate? No, there's Tony Robbins. Can there, should there be a Tony Robbins of real estate? Yeah, there can and there probably should. And I would love to be that guy, right? So, so anyhow, that's a long way to answer your question. Sorry. So what, what surprised you most about top producing realtors? Ah, that there is no, there is no, if you look at, right, if you look at um, uh, top producing anything, right, top athletes or, or top uh, comedians or top um, or whatever, right, the top of any industry or niche, there, normally there is these data points that kind of make all these people a little bit similar, right? Um, with comedians, like it's great timing, right, or, you know, they can write great stuff, um, you know, athletes, right? You can have great endurance or great focus, right? There's all these data points that sort of match up. Here's what is interesting about top-producing people. There is no such thing. There is no cluster of ability. Zero, right? Are all real estate agents uh, outgoing? No, they're not. Can, can you build an $80, $100 million business being uh, a, an introvert? Yeah, you can, right? So it, it, I think that's what surprised me. I, I really felt like I was going to see more similarity and overlap in these people, and I don't. I've seen people build very successful businesses in, in, you know, in all sorts of different ways, right? You, know, you, can, you, know, uh, you can focus on your sphere. You, know, you can uh, do pay-per-click. You can be a very good just relationship person, and, not, not, and, and when I say relationship – not have a great relationship with a client, right, your customer, the person buying or selling, but have a great relationship with, uh, like, probate attorneys, right? There's one guy I had on the show. He does about $60 million, I think he was on track for 80-something million uh, this 2014. And, uh, and he said, I never wanted to make a phone call to a, 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 a person, um, when I say person, consumer, let me say that, buyer or seller. And I never wanted to put any, my, anybody in my car. So what he did is he went out and built relationships with probate attorneys, and, uh, you know, last year, one of those probate attorneys gave him, like, 45 deals. So it, it's, it's amazing that the, the variety of, of how you can be successful in real estate is, is crazy. And the other thing, and this is a little bit off topic, but real estate is such, you know, I don't think there's any other industry in the world, or let's talk about in America, let's say, that has made more people millionaires <clears throat> number one number two it's real estate is such a great vehicle because you, you don't need a fancy education you don't need a lot of money you know you you need a, a a certain amount of drive at least in the beginning and whatever your skill set is right we all have something that we're good at um you can you can make that work in building a very very successful business in real estate well you just said something interesting and really i think history uh in the history of history there's nothing that's been a, as great of a wealth builder and wealth retainer more than real estate. You know, people think, yeah. it's, you know, the wealthiest families in the history of humanity have essentially built and created their wealth. You know, a lot of them may have built it off the Industrial Revolution and all these types of things, but they've maintained it from their holdings in real estate. You know, Julie and I were in London, and, you're, you know, you walk around, and all of a sudden you're walking past these seas of sort of white-painted brick buildings, which are all in the you know, best part of London. Well, they're all owned by some lord of something or another. <laughs> His family has owned it since like the beginning of time before America was founded. And, you know, the right. Catholic Church is the largest landholder. And, and yeah, so you're right, man. I mean, real estate's the single best uh, creator of wealth that there is. And, you I know, mean, Toby, yeah. well, I was going to say, it's funny, for a long time, Wall Street used to crap on real estate. Oh, you don't want to overinvest in real estate and all this. You know, because the guys that were trying to sell traditional securities 
we're seeing people who are investing in single-family homes, you know, that was money that they weren't going to be buying stocks and bonds and whatnots with. But now Wall Street's like embracing real estate and realizing what all of us mom-and-pop investors and really, you know, we've known for forever is that real estate is an incredible vehicle for creating. And I love what you said about barriers to entry, too. I mean, that's a good and a bad thing, but it's mostly a good thing if you do have an entrepreneurial yeah. bent, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. And if you look at real estate, I mean, again, you know, you can go back to King Solomon, right? You talk about history of history and real estate and yeah. wealth. But, too, you know, if you think, I don't know how many, how, what your audience, how old they are, but if you remember Kmart, right? Kmart had a, had a, a brand that, that wasn't worthwhile at some point. And they had to, you know, but the, what, why Kmart was worth something was because they owned all their locations. Similar to, you know, McDonald's. McDonald's has this great brand. But, you know, in terms of their valuation, it, a lot of it is based on the real estate that is owned by that, that company, by that brand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a lot of people don't know. The greatest, like if you look at uh, their public filings, um, yeah, man, it's the, it's the real estate that makes McDonald's worth what it is. So I'm yeah. curious, um, do you have to, you, you're obviously a passionate dude. I mean, every time you and I have talked, I always get that, you know, whatever you focus on, you have, it seems like you have an innate passion. Um, do you have to be passionate about real estate to be successful? No, man. I don't know what your thought is. My thought is, I mean, you know, I'll tell you. So, you know, with the rise of the millennials or these millennials coming of age and entering into the workforce, there is this thing about passion, right? You, you know, if you want to do something, you know, find your passion. You know, be, be passionate about whatever you do. And let me tell you why I think and this is permeated society, right? Permeated like um, current topics or whatever. It's, 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 here it is. And it really came – it, it piggy that this idea of finding your passion and, and, and marrying your passion to your work is has come from these millennials. Now here's why, and I'll, this you might find interesting, Tim. So, if you think of millennials, right? Today millennials are I forget it's like twenty, let's call twenty two to thirty five, right? That's the millennial range. Now, the deal is. Um, these guys, if you, if you go back to, to 2001, right, 9-11, the world was one way, and it was sort of like Mayberry in a lot of ways, right, prior to 9-11. All of a sudden, 9-11 happens, and the world changes overnight, right? Fear, public fear, right, it was it just was instituted on the on the American psyche. So you have and then you know and obviously you know you get searched at, at the airport and that never happened before whatever. So 912 the world changed. Now these guys millennials right going back to 01 and 911 you know these guys were you know in high school or uh you know maybe middle school or maybe just getting out of high school. They saw this and they're like, "Oh, you know what? Anytime Right, what I know, life as we know it can change. So, so all of a sudden, O one happens, and you know, a, a new normal starts to happen, and people start to get used to it. And oh my God, two thousand eight happens. Right, Lehman Brothers fails, banks are failing left and right, people are losing all their money. And by the way, Madoff was around this time as well. And and all of a sudden, right again, whatever stability these people have as as young people, it went away. So, you know, these people, and, and so these guys and gals, right, they have, their, their worldview is a little bit tweaked from these two, like, earth-shattering, right, like, like societal changes happen, right, giant shifts. So their viewpoint is a little bit, maybe not like yours and mine, Tim, right? We, we, we see these things as waves, maybe those, these were big cataclysmic shifts. You know, we can see them as waves, right, like, whatever. You get what I'm saying. So 
Um, anyhow, this notion of marrying passion with your work, I, I, I personally believe it does not exist. I truly, you can say I'm a passionate guy. I'm, a pas- I'm passionate about succeeding. I'm passionate about winning. I'm passionate about creating and building something. But in terms of what it is, um, I've, I was never passionate about erosion control, and I became you know, a multimillionaire doing that. I was never passionate about doing bridge loans, even though I liked them. You know. So I, I, don't, I don't think you need to, to do it at all. I think you need to have a very clear intent and be deliberate about what you want to build and why you want to build it. Yeah, I understand agree. I mean, the reality is, is you don't have to be passionate to be successful at anything. Be passionate about what you do with the profits that come from your success at doing the thing. You don't, you know, you don't, have to be, you don't have to be passionate about selling real estate. I mean, I've met a few people that are passionate about selling real estate, and if I'm being honest, they kind of scare me. You know? But the, yeah. the reality of it is, is the profits that come from your success, from learning how to help people at a high level and thus selling a lot of homes, yeah, be passionate what comes from that, the lifestyle you're able to afford, the freedom that hopefully you're able to earn from smart investing. So, yeah, I mean, this is – and you're right about the millennials, too. I think that's an interesting point. I think, by the way, the whole passion thing, it started in the 60s. I don't think it started with the millennials, but I think the millennials ran with it because they did see all these sort of uh, culturally – uh, you know, massive shifts that were happening, and, and we're just getting started. I mean, we're just we're, we are at another uh, point in history, I'm sure, that is going to be seen as the most disruptive time probably in human history. I'm sure that's true. Oh man, so, I agree, man. I, I think you know, over the, I'm just, I'm just real quick, I'm just, I'm just you know, we are so close to 9/11 right now, and even 2008. That you know, we can't you know we're we're we can't necessarily get this you know a uh, uh, a correct view of it in a lot of ways, right? You can write about it like detached, but there's going to be such fabulous books written about this time period from, you know, to really 2000 and, you know, with the, the, the Internet coming, right? The Internet really came was, was uh, really in 99 um, is when the Internet came. And again, that was another thing that sort of, we, we live in this giant world, but all of a sudden with the Internet, you know, it became smaller. So a lot of shifts, and I, again, I think there's going to be fabulous books written about from literally, like, let's call it 97 to 2015. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, what's interesting also is that this, uh, I'm not so convinced that people are going to follow the same, like you and I are the exact same age. You know, we're both Generation X. No one gives a crap about our generation. <laughs> but right, right. We still, we still kind of like, I think mostly our generation um, favors the uh, sort of the ethos of the baby boomers, if we're being honest. I mean, a lot of our behaviors, a lot of our lifestyle choices are very baby boomerish. The the uh, generation that comes under us, uh, they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not, and they're yeah. not showing any uh, inclination to emulate us or emulate the baby boomers. And I think that's right. that's very interesting. This whole voluntary simplicity thing. Again, this is another. You know, people have called it different things over the decades. You guys should Google that. But. That really started to take off during the recession where people were saying, hey, I don't need all this crap to make me happy. I don't, well, that's now manifested itself in other ways. Well, it turns out you do need you know, some crap to make you happy, but maybe you don't need as much as, say, you know, Toby and I's generation. Or the, you know, the, it, so there is some very fascinating things happening. You can see it manifesting itself in you know, this, the, 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 all these companies, the, the ride-sharing companies and the, just different things, mm-hmm. the, 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 the proliferation of people willing to rent out their houses and there's this sharing sort of ethos that's really kicking in. It will be very fascinating to see what uh, long-term ramification that has for real estate on a whole because it does seem that a lot of the echo generation folks don't really have a problem with renting um, in, in our age group and older than us uh, buying a home was a rite of passage. Would you not agree? Oh, being a homeowner was like a rite of passage, yes? 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. Look, you and I, you and I grew up in the greed is good, the Gordon Gecko days, right? Like the, you know, when we were in high school, the 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 um, poster that everybody wanted was that there's a there was a poster. I'm, I know you're gonna remember this, but there's a poster with a four car garage. I know which one you're gonna say. I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, justification and, for know, our education. <laughs> exactly right, right. So that is the greed is good, and so you know, I mean, that, that certainly affects us now, right? Yeah. But I do, right? This 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 simplistic, right? So this this thing. When you think of Lyft, when you think of Uber, when you think of Airbnb, that whole thing is called collaborative consumption. And it's a notion of, right, I can buy a drill, but, you know, should I own that asset? Should I even buy a drill? Because, you know, I'm only going to use it three times a year. Well, collaborative consumption says, you know, look, I can rent that drill. Just like, you know, I don't need to own a car because I, you know, I can walk or, you know, I can use Lyft. You know, there's tons of ride-sharing programs where, you know, it's my car. I just happen to say, okay, Tim, if you want to go from here to downtown, I'll give you a ride, you pay me. And, you know, and without a, a fixed fee structure, it's like, oh, what do you want to give me? You want to give me five bucks? You know, whatever. So anyhow, yeah, I, I, collaborative consumption is, is a very much – and I built a company. I didn't tell you this. I didn't tell you this. But I built a company that failed. Um, uh, I did it in – it was called Task Hero. And the notion – and I launched it in 2011. I spent my whole 2011 really messing with this company. It's called Task Hero, and it's basically sort of like – an eBay for odd jobs around your house, right? So your wife buys a big mirror, and uh, you don't know how to hang it. You don't want to hang it. You post that job. Hey, look, I have this three-by-four mirror. I want somebody to post, and then people bid on it. Now, I built it in the, in the idea that, hey, um, uh, you know, unemployment was really, really high, and, you know, everybody was looking for this odd job. So I said, well, you know, look, let me do that. It didn't work. I mean, it probably would have worked, but, but uh, you know, I, I spent about 14 months on it. I mean, 100 grand in 14 months, and I said, you know what, I'm pulling the plug. I'm, I'm moving on. So what do you see, I mean, overall, from all these top-producing interviews you've done? You know, we've talked about some of the, you know, similarities and, and some of the differences, but mistakes. And from your perspective, what are the mistakes that when you're talking to these agents, when you hear them saying certain things or doing certain things, you know, you're not. You've got all. You, your your background gives you a unique perspective on looking in on how some of these guys are running their businesses. What are the mistakes that you see these guys making that you would never necessarily call them out on, but it kind of makes your teeth itch? Anything come to mind? You know what? Um, um, look, we, we, yeah. I mean, there, there's a few things in terms of you know. It it, it comes down to look. Uh, you know, I talk with some people. And, you know, they'll do $90 million. And I'm like, hey, you know what? And, and or, or, or let's say it's 300 transactions, right? Not, 300 transactions for $90 million. And they're, they're like, hey, you know, I want to get to 400. You know, I, and I want to get to $150 million. And one of my questions is, why do you do that? Like, what is in you that makes you want to keep the pedal to the metal and keep driving forward? Like, what is that? Because that's something I don't understand. And I've never really gotten a good question from that. But, but here's something that I see. I, I, you know, I see people, like, in terms of mistakes, I don't know if this is a mistake. You know, this is a choice. I, I see people going, hey, I really want to, I want to, I, I'm at 100 transactions, I want to get to 200. But then I, I, when I look at them, I ask them about, you know, what do you do, how do you get your leads, right? Like, what, what does your lead generation, what does your funnel look like? I can certainly see where their funnel is not complete, right? I can see holes in their funnel that they don't see. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, when you think of building your real estate business as a business, right, you need to really think about building a very holistic thing, right? You know, have a, a consistent marketing plan in place. Or right? I see too many people, and this, does not, this is not necessarily 
manifest itself at the really top, top level, but right, this surging, this notion of like, okay, we, you know, uh, 50 deals in Q1 and, uh, well, let me see, zero deals in Q1, 50 deals in Q2, right, zero deals in Q3, like, and then, you know, this, it's porpoising, right? Um, so, anyhow, I don't know if I answered that question, but no, I don't, I, the, the only thing that I see is if people truly wanted to build a business and they truly wanted to make it grow year over year. And look, let me tell you something, Jim. There are people – here's how I define business versus company, right? And too many people have a business. I, I guess, you know, if I'm going to say one thing I see, this is it. Here's a business is a business. You have this business, right? It makes you a lot or a little money, whatever it is. But, but a business means that you need to be involved. That if, if you step out of business, there's going to be problems there, right? There's going to be management problems or deal flow problems or lead generation problems, whatever it is. That's a business. So I see people tell me, hey, look, I'm building this business, but, but, and that's what they want. If for me, you should, build a, you should work on building a company. Now, what a company does, like if I go back to that BNC erosion control, I had 58 people. I had management levels. I had you know, checks and balances within that. I didn't do anything in the back office, and I didn't do – it really, it managed itself. Now, there are problems that I had to come in and deal with, but for the most part, if I wanted to go to Europe for a month or three, I could do that, and the business – the company would run. So, you know, you need to figure out, you know, you and the audience, whatever you're doing today, you need to be very deliberate. What do you want to do? Do you want to build a business, or do you want to build a company? And for me – I want to build a company all day long. You know, I, 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 would, I, I, I want to build a toy that I can play with if I want to, and if I don't want to, I don't have to. So a question I wrote down, because you were kind of dancing around something, I, I think unintentionally, I by the way. I'm not accusing you of anything. But you were uh, kind of touching on something, and this is a question that came to mind. So if we were to interview uh, 100 realtors, and we were to ask them this simple question, how do you think they'd answer it? And the question is, would you rather be rich or famous? How do you think they'd answer that question? That's interesting. Um, I think this comes back to demographic. Um, um, well, there uh, just, are just, with, with, without without adding the demographics aspect to it. What do you, yeah, how do you think most um, agents? Because your average agent's a fifty-six-year-old lady who's been in the business for twelve years or whatever. I mean, who makes twenty-nine thousand dollars a year? I mean, that's your according to NAR, those are your average agent statistics. So let's, let's just assume we're going to interview, like, you know, 100 top-producing agents. Because between the two of us, we've easily interviewed 100 top-producing agents. Yep. And, and what yep. you were just talking about a second ago is kind of like I understand what you were saying because I've observed the same things, the whole business versus I get what you're saying. But yep. the essence of it is is really what happens. Uh, and I'm, not gonna, I want, I'm curious as to your answer, so I'm not going to share with you mine. But if you were to interview sure. 100 top-producing agents and you were to ask them, would you rather be rich? And let's just define rich. So we're not confused. Rich is where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money, okay? So if mm -hmm. that's the collective understanding of what the definition of rich is, I know there's lots of different variations of the definition of rich, but just for the sake of this question, and you would ask those agents, would you rather be rich or famous? How do you think most of them would answer, if they were being honest? I, yeah, yeah, I will. I will uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I, for me, it's very simple, and I, I, I have data to back it up. I think they would say, I want to be rich. And I'll tell you, and here's why. Here's why I would say that. And I think you might say the other way around. And, and again, depending on demographics, but overall, the super, super top producing agents, I will reach out to them. I have a hard time getting them on my show because they're like, I don't give a care about, about this exposure you're going to give me. It's not going to put any more deals in my, in my you know, in some, on the board, right? So, so, and I've experienced this over and over again. I'm like, listen, man, if you don't, if you don't need the exposure, that's fine, but you know stuff. 
that, you know, come on my show, let's talk about your background because, you know, maybe you can help somebody struggling out there, you know, and I, I kind of appeal to that side of them. It's like, okay, if you don't need it, maybe somebody else needs it from you. And still they'll say, you know, not interested. So, so I would say rich. But how would you answer that, Tim? Famous, and I'll tell you why. Um, it's very simple because you ask, if, you know, look, look what Asians spend their money on. Look how easy, you know, <laughs> Toby and I are having a very probably non-appropriate radio conversation right now, but, you know, I mean, Toby and I are friends, and you guys are just listening in on a couple of friends talk. But, yeah, man, yeah, I'd say cool. definitely, uh, I'd definitely say rich, because if you look to see what they're attracted to, I don't think agents get into the business feeling that way, to be honest with you. I think most people get into the business with, you know, again, you were touching on demographics. And I know, you know, your point was younger people are motivated by different things than, say, the baby boomers yeah. were, and I agree. Yeah. That's what you're, yeah, so and that's totally true. I mean, the guys in their 20s are getting into this because they realize, I mean, let's be honest, it's an easy business to make a crap ton of money in if you take an entrepreneurial business approach, which is absolutely true. Uh, and it's true regardless of how old you are, guys. So please, listeners, don't discourage yourself just because you're not able to type real quick on your phone with two fingers. I can't do it at all, so don't feel ashamed of that. <laughs> but yeah. the, reality of, the reality of it is, is most agents, a bulk of agents, would choose to be famous. They would absolutely, positively get more out of the, um, you know, out of folks seeing them as successful. And the evidence of this is how many agents actually retire out of the real estate business. How many agents are actually rich? You know, to the point where they don't have to sell houses anymore. And and I think honestly, I think they don't. Again, they don't enter into the industry that way. This is your interview, so I'm not gonna get on my soapbox. You know, they don't enter into the industry this that way. The industry corrupts them into acting that way. That's my opinion. Wait, wait, wait. It corrupts them into acting what way? Because you, 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 um, you because I, if you're if you, you're Toby, you have the you have the advantage of never having sold real estate before, and you have the disadvantage of never having sold real estate before. The advantage well, is that you can see you can see things objectively that I can't. Okay, so hmm. I mean, so here's here's how it actually works. I mean, when you get into the real estate business, if you are even moderately successful, you are basically carried around in a velvet chair and being asked to present at every office meeting. And the the, the broker and the brand hmm. they want to basically make you into a superstar. And so what happens is is you might not have an out of control ego when you get into the business, but if you're a little bit successful essentially everybody starts calling you for an interview or everybody starts asking to feature you here or feature you there. Then you're like, oh, my mm. God, how that – I mean, you know, so that's what I'm saying. So, the, so that's the corruption aspect. Our industry Got feeds it. agents' egos, and those egos oftentimes will lead agents to making bad business decisions that result in them actually not building wealth, you know, which actually result in them yeah. not becoming wealthy. Okay. Yeah. Great. So you're so you're getting into something super interesting. So let, let's let's let me let me back up for a second and let's jump back on the point that I'm not sure if you're you're getting there or not, but I, I I'm sure you could get there. Listen. So here's the deal. I think that I think like right when you write demographics, like some of the younger people, you know, there's a lot of glamour around real estate, right? You know, you're messing with celebrities, you know, in Santa Monica or Beverly Hills, and uh, you know. Uh, they see these people on, uh, you know, they see Josh Flagg and those guys on Million Dollar Listing and Frederick Eklund, mil, you know, Million Dollar Listing in New York. Like, you know, hey, this is a vehicle not only to make money, but I can get on television, right? And, and so, I, so here's, here's the play, right? So you said corrupted. They get corrupted, right? You have some, some modicum of success. You get carried around in the velvet cha chair, and everybody wants to pick your brain, you know, and, and do an article on you. Now, here's what happens, right? So if, that, if, that, if you are bent that way, which, like, we all are at some point. We all want to feel important. Yeah. We all want to feel like we know. Yeah. So, so, so the deal is 
what happens to you? When you, you start to make bad decisions, you're like, oh, you know what? I want more of that. So you know what? I'm going to hire more agents. I'm going to throw more money at marketing because I want it. bigger numbers because I want to ride around in a few more other velvet chairs. But guess what? You're not focusing on your bottom line, right? You, what you've done is just created a giant business that really turns out no cash, right, out of the bottom of the funnel. So, yeah, man. Um, yeah I think very much a catch between two of that. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was trying to say. So that's what happens is that our industry doesn't teach agents how to build businesses, which is your great point, doesn't teach agents that basically, uh, you know, one of the other things we say that always raises people's eyebrows, I mean, guys listening, you know, what is your product? As a realtor, what is your product? If, you know, if, if I had a pie shop, my product would be great pies and then great customer service and then all the rest of it. But you ask a room full of agents that question, they don't answer the question. They answer, great, home sold, da 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 And all these things, all these yeah. answers are right. But your product, what you have to produce to stay in business is profit. And our industry doesn't teach agents that. Our, our industry teaches nowadays, and this, this is probably a trend that's going to change. And then, guys, I want to talk about lead gen because that's something Toby's fantastic with. So the reality of it is, is that you know we're being taught, the industry's being taught. You know, you add, you build your team, and then you figure out how to pay for it. Oh, and the other thing that is insidious, that's causing agents to go broke, is the whole idea that you even have to have a team. You don't have to have a team that's even the the top selling agents in the country. We're interviewing two of them on our radio show later this week. You know, heads heads up, everyone. You know, they don't have big teams. The number one selling uh, listing agent, $414 million in New York City, he has one assistant. So this whole ethos, you have to build this big staff and all that, it depends on what your goal is of your business. But don't, I mean, Toby made the point earlier, there's a million ways to be successful. You just better go into this thing realizing the ramifications of the decisions you make. Because you add staff, it's hard to fire them. If your ego gets addicted to all this attention, you know, like Toby just said, you're going to be buying more attention. And that's going to result right. in you never becoming rich, and you're never going to have any financial freedom. And you know, so tell me this is a fun question. I just want to make one point real quick. You said, you know, what's your product, right? If you made pies, you, you would turn out the best pies ever. Here's the thing that, that if you know, in terms of if you, everybody in the audience, right, to shape your sort of viewpoint around what you actually do. If you, what are you in? What do you do? You know what? You are in retail, similar to uh, McDonald's yep. we mentioned earlier, or or Tim's pie. You're you are in retail with your product being property, right? So think of, if you think of yourself as a retail business and think about how retail businesses build their brand and build their companies and do their marketing, write copy, you'd be much probably better off you know, like 12 months from now than if you think of yourself as, you know, I sell houses, right? I well, but houses. Toby, anyway. that, that's, scratch, that's scratching the surface, though, because that, that's going back to the whole thing of, well, my, my product is basically happy customers. And this is the mindset shift. If you guys want a great book on this, it's called Profits Aren't, uh, the, Aren't Everything, They're the Only Thing. I don't remember the author, but it's such an awesome book. You guys should all read that. You know, at the end of the day, you're spending your life's energy and you're spending time away from your family and you're making all these sacrifices because to be even moderately successful in real estate, it's going to take a lot of sacrifices. There's just no two ways about that. You better be sure that you are pulling money out of the business because if at the end of the year – if you're looking back, and this is a conversation I have with coaching clients all the time, you know, in 12 months I want to be looking back with you, and I sure as hell want to be celebrating your successes, but I really want to be doing is talking to you about the debts you paid off and the wealth you accumulated. So, so let's, let's pivot here. Um, lead yeah. generation. By the way, but it's, it's that's, one of the, that's, that's, go ahead. Yeah, we'll talk about So that book is uh, by George uh, uh, Cloutier. Yeah, and if you want to, hey, no, By the way, if you, if yeah. you got, 
if, if anybody wants a free copy, they can do that with uh, – you can just go to this link, audibletrial.com slash Super Asians yeah. Live. So I had to throw that in there, Tim. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. So our industry loves to focus on lead generation. Aside from lead generation, and we're going to talk about that in a second, aside from lead okay. generation, because all these startup companies are all basically focused on lead generation. We interviewed the gal who's in charge of, basically runs the VC arm of the National Association of Realtors, and she was talking about the different companies they're investing in. And basically, yep. for the most part, they're all focused on lead generation. You guys go to Inman, it's all focused on lead generation. So obviously yep. our, in- our industry is obsessed with lead generation. What's next? What should our industry be focusing on from your perspective? So, look, um, uh, this is a big topic, dude, and we, we, should, we need to get to lead generation. But, but, look, here's the thing. There is very much a push and pull. Like, who should you be serving, right? So if you say, hey, listen, I serve my customer, right? Earlier you said, my, you said some people might say my product is a happy customer. Well, the deal is this. You know, it, let's say that you created someone, another, some startup out there created a very consumer-facing uh, product where, where, you know, many, many industry technology has disintermediated the, the provider. I mean, uh, travel agents are it's a great example. But, but so what happens? If you empower the consumer, what happens to you as an agent, right? Well, you, your power and influence starts to become less and less and less. So in terms of what's coming next, I think you know, the, the industry in a lot of ways is at odds with one another. If I created this great uh, – I just traded some emails with, with a very, very big uh, angel investor, venture capitalist, Jason Calacanis, this morning. And we are talking about the same exact thing. Hey, listen, I, you know, he's trying to buy a house in San Francisco. He's like, I would love a site where I got like, real reviews on agents and real reviews on houses and like, 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 give me, like, the real nitty-gritty that I'll learn after living in this neighborhood for a, a month or a year or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, you can, we can think about that. We can think about building something like that. But there's a push and pull. Like, you know, it, it, what's going to – you know, uh, the, the uh, National Association of Realtors is going to be all of our back we, if we build a, a, a business that is very consumer-facing and empowering the consumer. So, so, you know, in terms of what's next, I don't know. Who do you empower in this process? Do you empower the agent, give them more power, give them more influence, or do you empower the consumer? And if you start to do that, there's lots of groups, right, that are going to be not on your side. Yeah, I think all those things are true. So let's talk about lead gen. I mean, so interviewing all these top producing agents, uh, what are the things that they're doing now for lead generation that maybe the rest of the industry is just catching up with? So, yeah, so um, I'll, I'll say one thing. So I, I go back a year ago, and, you know, the, the one thing and, – and there's so – dude, this is such a big topic. I mean, such a big topic because we can talk about lead generation that's paid, right? All you need is hustle. And then if you have a budget, we can talk about uh, – I'm sorry, free lead gen, paid lead gen, right? Online lead gen, offline lead gen. But, but so here's the big thing that a year ago, and a lot of people are getting a lot of traction with this, was simply home valuation sites, right? Um, so um, – Home valuations were they were real, right? It was like you put in your 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 uh, your house number and your street and your zip code, and it literally popped out a uh, a real uh, estimate of your of, of your house. Um, so a lot of people are catching up with that today uh, because the services you know said, okay, yeah, let's build this, let's replicate it. Um, somebody like a buddy Blake. Two two names come to mind when it when it comes to home valuation that were very very early. Buddy Blake was early. And a guy named Rich Re- Me- Mitch Reback in Florida was very, very early. They were so early that they went across the country and bought up, like, Tampa home valuation, right? Fresno, California, Fresno home valuation, whatever, um, dot com. 
Uh, anyhow, so I think that's something that people are just, you know, the, the, the big bulk of people are just realizing now and saying, hey, listen, you know, we should, we should do something like this. The problem is that it, 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 because, it, you know, the web moves so fast that the people who, who have had those for a while, right, let's say go back 12 months ago, um, their, their traffic on those are falling off steeply. So if you're just an agent right now going, oh, geez, yeah, I need to do a home valuation site. Well, you know what? You're a little bit late to the party. I mean, I'm not saying you're not, it's not going to drive something, but you're, 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 it, the organic traffic you're going to get is much, much less. You can make it work, right? You can go buy Facebook ads. You can go buy you know, Google Paperclip. You, you can promote it. You can make it work. But, but, so I think, that's, I think that's the main thing that, that comes to mind uh, that you know, some, of the, some of the innovators um, – had a lot of success with and, and that, you know, people are now just getting there? Well, you're getting into something that really excites me, I think. And, I mean, you're, you're, you started a – and I want you to re- – we have 15 minutes left here, then we've gone for an hour, and our, our normal callers probably you know, haven't realized that we're way over our normal time, our normal listeners, rather. So I want, okay. I want to hear about the radio that you – explain to us your radio program. I know it's on Super Agents Live. It's on your website. So let them know how that works. I mean, I, have a, I wrote down like 20 questions about this, but – you know, who is it perfect for? Tell me what I should expect from it. What's the financial commitment? I mean, let's, sure. let's ex- yeah, go right. ahead. Sorry. So, yeah, so, so, it's, yeah, so here's it is. It's, you, you, I have a show called Super Agents Live. You can go to superagentslive.com and get on my show. And you, when, when you get there, I've done 100 episodes. Now, I've done 100 interviews. Some of them are me talking about certain topics, how to build your brand or whatever. But basically, I interview top producing agents. Uh, and by the way, my, my minimum, I started with a, you had to do $70 million or more, and then I've kind of lowered that down to around $40 million. There's, a, there's a magic kind of formula. 40, 40, if you can do $40 million and be in the business less than seven years, you have something good to share. So anyhow, um, so, you know, that's, and I, talk, I spent an hour talking with all, agents, authors, and coaches, and I've had the big, I've had the most influential voices in real estate on my show. In terms of, like, what does it cost? Man, it's free. I do this show for free. It's really a public service. And, and my, I think, I honestly believe, I mean, we are ranked uh, in the world. We're number 59 in business on Stitcher Radio. We're number 73 in the world for business on iTunes. Our show has changed lives, man. I get emails all the time going, God, you know, uh, I, I, I'm just now getting my license, and I feel so much more prepared. I, there's, you know, there's no way I, I could have been at where I'm at without your show. But, my, you know, again, because I talk with you, I've had, like, I've had all the big trainers on there, right? I've had, you know, all these top producers on there. You know, my, I have, my audience is crazy. It is from people who are just getting their license who are, or, or are just re-getting back into real estate all the way up to, you know, I have people like, uh, you know, a friend of mine, you know, Sharon Stravasa, listen to every single episode, and he has 300 agents working for him, you know, and it is crazy. Here's the crazy thing, man. I will reach out to people and say, hey, listen, you know, my name's Toby. I, I have this show. I would like to get you on it, right? These are people that I don't know. I'm just, I'm just reaching out to. And I've had so many people, right, go, hey, Toby, I listen to every single episode. I'm like, oh, my God, how do you listen to it? Like, what do you get out of it? So, the content on there is so, so awesome that, that wherever you are in the scheme of building your business, you know, you should listen. You'll get something out of it, you know, and if nothing else, you know, what I try to do is, you know, uh, is edutainment, right? I try to educate you and be entertaining at the same time. So, so that's what my show is, and, you know, our platform, we built this big, big plat- platform. We have a very, very big footprint and, and, and the industry, right? And we're getting our footprints getting bigger and bigger every day. And what we've, one thing that I've realized, dude, if, if there is any silver bullet in real estate, it's this, man. It is radio. When I say radio, I, I'm saying terrestrial AMFM radio. The people who are on 
the radio, right, when you get in your car on the dashboard and they do commercials, I haven't talked to one person who's done less than $40 million. And I'll say, hey, so you're, you're doing radio. How much of radio accounts for your business? And then they're like, oh, 30%, 50%. One guy in a small market in uh, Montana or Wyoming, I forget, he's like, oh, radio is 80% of my business, right? So anyhow, so we've, for the last four months, we've been very, very head down and building a radio division. We've been, we've been building a, a digital agency. So um, it's very, very difficult for agents to get on the radio. There's lots of metrics that you have to look at. Negotiations are crazy. So, um, so we've built that. We've, we've hired some team to, to, to put you know, top producing agents on the radio. And look, we won't put anybody on the radio. We, you know, it's such a crazy medium that we want to make sure that you, know, you, you are you know, the top 1% in your market overall and that you can well, handle let, this let, kind let, of let's, let, let's, let's drill down because I have some coaching students sure. that um, are writing radio ads. And yeah, man, they have great success with it, but not everybody does. I mean, you have to have this financial staying power because it's expensive as hell. Yep. I mean, it really can be, but mm. it, it the, the yeah, it can be. I mean, depending on your market, if you're in LA, yeah, for yeah. example, yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, Wyoming or not, whatnot. I can. That's fantastic. So, what is so, so? If I'm understanding you correctly, uh, this new service product that you're offering is essentially acting as an agency for agents who want to start running radio ads in their marketplace, and you. Obviously, the reason they'd want to work directly with you is because you're going to essentially take care of all the nitty-gritty details about actually getting – you don't have to – you know, versus calling a radio station saying, hey, I want to radio, run radio ads, and then you're going to talk yeah. to a salesperson, and then the salesperson's maybe going to help you with content or maybe not, and then it's going to be trial and error, yeah. and then that did it work, did it not work. You know, yeah. by engaging with somebody like you and – and I believe that the fee that you earn is paid by the radio station, kind of like if you were to sell – uh, and, uh, another agent's listing, the seller pays your buyer agent commission, so it doesn't really cost them anything to work with you if they wanted to start running radio ads in their marketplace, correct? Yeah, that's right. So, so we're, we're do, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what we're doing, and I'll tell you our vision for it. So number one, you know, we are a full-service agency, which means that, hey, you know, whatever market you're in, we'll go, we'll identify the right station you should be on, the right demographic, we'll write the, the ad copy, because copy is very, very important, and, and you know, um, not everybody knows how to write ad copy, and then we'll, to, we'll manage it. So basically, step one, what, you know, we will, radio is just one arm of your marketing machine of your business, right? You have, you have radio, you have mailings, whatever. Ideally, what we want to do is we want to become the digital side of your business. So uh, we, we start managing your radio marketing. Then we can start managing your, you know, your Google pay-per-click, your, your, your Facebook ad campaigns, if you run that. And I do think you know, in terms of lead generations, you, everybody needs to have multiple lead generation channels. You cannot focus just on one. You need to have, you, you need to have an offline piece. You need to have a, a, a web piece. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people are missing. They can be great with working their sphere, great with working their farm, but then I go, hey, what about online? What about web leads? Well, we're not doing anything there. So anyhow, so we want to be the whole digital side. We're entering that with doing the radio. And then, and then later, right, remember you said everybody wants to be famous? Everybody does, right, especially when you get to this point. So later what we really want to do, we want to have 100 top, top producing agents, all under one room. We'll do a mastermind every year, but we want to then start to manage your media career. We want to well, manage the but, whole media side of you. But just for the sake of time to understand, I mean, these guys, yeah. you're not taking an unlimited number of agents because there's not really no. – the reality of it is is that uh, there's not – this doesn't necessarily – 
you're attracting sellers, first of all. That's one thing we should drill yep. down on. The radio yeah. ads are designed to go after sellers, which I'm a huge advocate of, obviously. Yeah. Buying buyer leads is really stupid. You know, Obviously, you want to go after sellers. Um, and it, it, it does work better in some markets than others. I mean, there's just no two ways about that. Um, and identifying the right radio station, identifying even during the right time of day, identifying yep. the messaging that might appeal to that specific mm-hmm. tem- demographics. I mean, there is a crap ton of work that's associated with getting it right. That's for sure. So, yep. so if some, and, and you can only take so many agents in each market because obviously, the, you know, if, if I'm running radio ads in Austin and you're running radio ads up in Georgetown, you know, we might be kind of overlapping. I mean, so that doesn't really work. So you have very clear dividing lines and how many agents you can take in each major market. So if they wanted to engage you or explore what those options are, what's the easiest way for them to figure that out and get in, in, uh, get in connection with you to find out if that's a good fit? You know, yeah. I mean, you know, if if anybody wants, I'm happy to talk. You know, even if you're not ready for radio yet, I'm happy to talk with you and 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 help you understand a little bit better. But yeah, we we can only put one person per market. So in Austin, what we do, let's say we put you on the radio, would figure out again the right radio station, and then we'd look at the footprint of that antenna, and and wherever that antenna goes, like nobody else can encroach on that. So. Right. So yeah, you know, you can go to my site and and uh, you can c- c- contact me through my site or you know my email is uh, this is my personal goes to my phone email. Uh, it's Toby T O B Y at Super Agents Live and I and I, I I answer all my own emails. I don't outsource that to, to anybody. Right. So I mean, unlike, you know, unlike you, Tim, right? You don't, you don't you don't manage your own email, do you? I have an army of Filipinos that work 24-7. <laughs> no, I mean, my stu- yeah, I mean, I give it out all the time. Coach Tim Harris at gmail.com, and I answer my own emails. But the fact is, is most people don't want to talk to me. They'd rather talk to somebody else that works for us, So, which I, per- which I understand. <laughs> they're, I, you yeah. know, they're much nicer. That's why I pay them to be. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, there I, it yeah. is. So, if, if guys, if, if you're ready in your business, and, and there's a lot of, uh, realistically, you know, don't lead with expense. Don't say, well, I'm going to try this. You know, silver bullet radio thing, and hopefully that's going to save my bacon. That's not the way to do it. You want to, as Toby said, you know, you want to have multiple lead generation sources, and then, you know, in our vernacular, we call that you know, more spokes on your wheel. The more spokes you have yep. on your wheel, the stronger the wheel will be. And it might be the perfect timing in your market to run radio ads. You know, we're just at the very beginning stages of what's going to be. The, the uh, Realtor dot com uh, economists confirm this. Um, you know, we're at the very beginning stages of what's going to be another long-term housing boom. So running radio ads now, uh, especially ones that have good copy, that are, you know, really selected as far as the market, the demographics, it could be a massive home run. It just could. So go to superagentslive.com. Just go to the top. I was on the site while Toby was talking, checking out, and uh, just fill up the forum and, you know, check it out, see if it's a good fit for you. Anything else you'd like to say to our listeners as we round the bend here? No, man. I will say this, dude. Every time you and I get on the phone, like, like we rip through an hour, and and like both we both have more in us, man. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I, I as I always, man. I enjoy talking with you. I'm glad that you, uh, I'm glad that you you brought me on, and I was able to to share with your audience. I'm happy to do it again. I, I would have loved to, uh, you know, I have fun with you, but uh, you know, it'd be fun to have Julie on and get Julie's take on some of this stuff. Julie, Julie's like, oh, I don't want to bother with that. That, that, you know, all that radio <laughs> stuff. So here, here's a little interesting idea. Let's throw it out there to the uh, the universe and see if we get anything back. Um, we do a mastermind event for like 300 of the nation's top realtors at the beginning of next year in Austin, Texas. Easy to fly in, fly out. Great, you know. Say it's in you know February, March. It won't be too hot. It'll be perfect. If you guys are interested in that, 
either email me directly, CoachTimHarris at gmail.com, or Toby directly. What's your email again, Toby? Uh, Toby at SuperAgentsLive.com. Yeah, if you guys are down for that, uh, Toby and I have talked about that, that that would be a lot of fun to do. If that's something that you're interested in and you're seriously interested in it, email one of us or both of us directly, and we'll get a list going and see if the numbers make sense. I mean, because Toby and I, I promise you, are going to lead with revenue. We're not just going to take a flyer out there and run a big haul and hopefully you know, build it and they will come. That's not the way, way it's going to work. So in any event, Toby, man, I really want well, to talk to Well, I know we're going to wrap up. If anybody has not been to a conference like that, has not been to, like, gotten under one roof with, uh, with that kind of energy, it is amazing. So, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, it is. And a lot of these guys haven't. They've basically been to the events where they're held in the moldy hotel room of the guy that basically, you know, comes to town every year at the same time. We, that's true. I mean, I, I should have – it is. We would be something completely different. I mean, if we were to do this, this would be basically – uh, the brightest mind in real estate, it would be a closed-door kind of thing. It would be no pitching, so there wouldn't be – I mean, we might have vendors out in the hall to help pay for things, honestly. But the reality of it was it would be 100% focused on what's next in the real estate industry, kind of like Toby and I's call today and the interview that Toby and I did on his uh, Super Agents Live radio show, but really to the next level because you'd be hearing directly from the agents that are actually applying some of these techniques opposed to just – hearing old farts like us talk about it. So, Toby, listen, I yeah. really appreciate your time on the radio show today. I always enjoy talking with you. And listeners, you know, obviously your homework and homework from every one of our radio shows is to share this radio show with as many other agents as you can. Email it, share it, retweet it, link it, whatever else it is that you kids do. <laughs> Get it out there. Help us spread the word about the fact that this is arguably the greatest industry to be, uh, to be in, especially during this time in history. So, Toby... Salgado, thank you very much for your time today. And listeners, we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. Thanks, bud. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time... Thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.